Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, issue 116, The Binding of Isaac. You can play along with Cane and Rinse uh, Volume 3. The next five issues are Super Mario 64, Demon Souls, Manhunts 1 and 2 in one podcast, Parappa the Rapper, Umjamalami and Parappa Rapper 2 in one podcast, and Super Mario Sunshine. Head to caneandrinse.com for the full schedule, the blog and links to our forum, uh, merchandise stall, Facebook page, Twitter feed and YouTube channel. Please subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. Joining me, Darren, the Duke of Flies, Gargett, in this issue is James Monstro Carter. My, my teeth aren't feeling the best today. They're sort of falling out a little bit. I think it's I'm, <laughs> I'm taking on the role, as it were. And you're spewing out blood in an attempt to kill Isaac. And saving the best till last, special guest and platinum god, I hope I got that right, Louis Peep Proctor of Savvy Gamer, SavvyGamer.co.uk. Yeah, of course, Platinum Gods. Am, am I not in the company of uh, other Platinum Gods here? Don't uh, be silly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later on um, in, in, in what Platinum God means and the lesser Golden God, which I, I, you know, I came close to. But anyway, let's crack on with the show. Isaac and his mother lived alone in a small house on a hill. Isaac kept to himself drawing pictures and playing with his toys as his mom watched Christian broadcasts on the television. Life was simple, and they were both happy. That was until the day Isaac's mom heard a voice from above. Your son has become corrupted by sin. He needs to be saved. I will do my best to save him, my lord, Isaac's mother replied rushing into Isaac's room, removing all that was evil from his life. Watching through a crack in his door, trembled in fear. Scrambling around his room to find a hiding place, he noticed a trap door to the basement hidden under his rug. Without hesitation, he flung open the hatch, just as his mother burst through his door and threw himself down into the unknown depths below. Uh, so, yeah, The Binding of Isaac. It was um, from doing a bit of research about it and you know, looking through uh, some various documentaries that Emma McMillan's been involved with, especially with Indie Game, the movie, and stuff like that. It sort of came around really quickly, this game, which surprised me considering just how deep it literally goes. Um, it was sort of a three-month project. It was dur- during a game jam just after Super Meat Boy's development. Um, Tommy Refinez went on holiday. And Edmund wanted to just make a game just for fun, just to make a good old game, just, you know, but, you know, borrow some elements from other games that he enjoyed and make his own, you know, unique twist on things as, as he wanted to do with his uh, basement collection of games. And, yeah, so he buddied up with Florian Himsel, Himsel, I don't know how you pronounce that, with, um, you know, who, who helped make games like The C Word, uh, time for cuck, you know, the the games that he censored himself to make it a more you know purchasable on Steam, and yeah, he t- he teamed up with Florian Himsel to make the Binding of Isaac in just uh, three months, by the looks of things, uh, two months of part time development as well as a final third crunch time, full time month of development, and yeah, it's it's really surprising to hear that story come from Eben because, like I say, this game consumes people i'm sure people have played this game longer than it took to make now i'm obviously exaggerating a little bit there but from some of the some of the, the times that i've heard people play this game i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm surprised just how, by how quick this game turned around 
Uh, it became a YouTube success, which gradually led to the game selling well over a million. Um, and I think that was because of various things, like there was a box edition called Unholy, uh, the Unholy edition, which came out in October uh, of 2012. But the original version came out on Steam, September 28th, 2011, with some DLC cropping up about half a year, maybe seven, eight months later, with the Wrath of the Lamb. So let's go on with our histories um, with the game, and uh, you know, tell us briefly, but um, you know, excitedly, what your history with the game is, uh, Louis. So, I mean, I'd, I'd liked, uh, I'd followed Edmund McMillan's work for a while. I remember I played Gish, I think, probably a couple of years after it had been out, not knowing when it first came out, and uh, I hold my hands up. Sorry, Edmund, I pirated that one. Uh, I've since, <laughs> since since picked it up on Steam when it got re-released there, but I, I have no money. I don't think he cares that much. Um, <laughs> and then I played you know, a bunch of his free games that he put out on the internet, and... Um, I only played a couple of them, but when Super Meat Boy was announced, uh, and I'd, I'd really liked the original Meat Boy, I went out and checked out more of his games, and, and he's obviously a really creative game designer and artist. And mm. I just seemed to click with a lot of his games, really enjoyed them. Um, Super Meat Boy, uh played it when it first came out, and one of my favourite games. Like I was competing for the top spots in a lot of the leaderboards, um, just put a huge amount of time into that. 100% of it on Xbox and on PC. Uh, and then mm-hmm. was was hugely looking forward to Binding of Isaac just because it was the new Edmund McMillan game. I, mm. I tried to get into roguelikes a couple of times but never really found one that, that I enjoyed. I, don't, I think the, um, there's not that many sort of turn-based games that I really enjoy. I'm, I'm much more into the sort of action games. And mm. uh, so so I was a bit I had a bit of trepidation because of the, the roguelike elements that, that I wasn't wasn't sure how much I'd be feeling them in Binding of Isaac, but I enjoy Zelda and was just up seeing what he, what he got, what he delivered. Um, so I picked it up at release and it just grabbed me. It just sucked me in completely and, and it became part of me. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, it's sprung its webs all over my brain and I couldn't stop even thinking about it and playing it until I learn everything and unlocked everything but I, I still even feel like you know i've spent so much time playing it that i, I haven't even learned everything it still manages to surprise me sometimes when i keep playing it uh so you're saying before it came out on september 28 2011 and i remember that it was when on it was the one year anniversary so that would have been september 28 2012 i checked my steam timer and i played it for about 300 hours so <laughs> yeah. that's not far off, like an hour a day on average, because it's so easy yeah. to just have you know one quick go and mm-hmm. maybe it'll last like forty minutes or something, and then you know you know it's a game that you can start knowing there's an end point. You don't have to worry about am I yeah. going to get reach a good point where I can walk away from it. You, you know your run's going to end at some point, so you can fit it in around your day, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, yeah, like um, Tower of Guns is due out soon, and uh, you can right, tell yeah. the inspiration from that was um, that Joe Mirabello wanted to make a game that was perfect for your lunch break, and I think Isaac was sort of going for the same thing, yeah, but obviously yeah. not being as explicit as as explicit in its you know that that mantra. But it was definitely you know, oh god, I've got an hour. Let's play some Isaac. I'd, I'd love to know so, where people work that they can play Binding of Isaac in their lunch break and not get sacked. <laughs> My history with the game is pretty similar to yours Louis and that that you know I was a fan of Edmund through Super Meat Boy uh, which led me to check out his other stuff 
Um, I just got completely, you know, swept off my feet by his imagination and how dark but comedic his um, his games are. And this is like obviously probably the poster boy for that dark comedy element to his games. Um, so yeah, I bought this on on Steam day one, and. I was, you know, oh, I, I like the Zelda viewpoint of the game that's obviously inspired, and also the Smash TV element of just killing everything in a room as soon as you walk in. Uh, but there was something that I, I think it was the first game for me that, you know, I played Super Meat Boy and I really liked that, but because it was a platform game and it being so hard, I was quite already, you know, I was already in tune with its, you know, its, um, his logic. Mm. Uh, but whereas with, with this, I've never played a game quite like this, uh, you know, for some time. Uh, or even at all, really. Smash TV is probably the, the most common reference to, for me to use because you're walking into a room, you're, you're blasting everything straight away and moving on to the next room. But I wasn't really, I wasn't good at that. I'm not good at those games that have you focusing in all parts of the screen at any one time. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, there's things in that corner, there's something going on in that corner. I need to keep my eyes on every literal thing in the room and survive. I was never really good at those games. And I sort of bottled it about 20 hours in. Now, that's quite a lot. That's a, lot, that's a long time to, you know, chicken out of. But then my friend threw a the gauntlet down on, on Steam saying, I've done it. I was like, I can't believe you've done it. <laughs> he's like, yep, I've done it. I've, I've beat, I've beat mum. And you're like, and then he challenged me. He goes, I bet you can't do it before my nephew does it. And I was like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> like, in, you know, the game hasn't got an age rating, but it's definitely got, um, cause it's on Steam. It's definitely got some, you know, level of, um, disgusting about it. I don't know what the right word is. Very, dis- it is disgusting. So it's more, for a 12 year old. disturbing, I think, than maybe disgusting. Yeah. Though. Yeah, you know, people might find the, the poo a bit disgusting. But, oh, yeah. You know, uh, it definitely shows those lines of sort of like, sh- should a 12-year-old nephew been playing this? But anyway, <laughs> he was going to beat me because he was getting really good at it. And it was my impetus just to carry on and keep playing. And lo and behold, a few days later, that sort of urgency to finish it before this kid um, made me complete it. And then I was hooked. So, James, how about yourself? Binding of Isaac's one of these weird games that appeared in my Steam library at some point. I can't remember honestly how I ended up with it at all. It may have been through one of the Humble Bundles, because quite quickly after its release it, it was in uh, in the Humble Bundle um, and it has mm. been a couple of times since, I think. Um, but I, honest, I honestly cannot remember. Um, I do remember picking up Wrath of the Lamb DLC for like 69 pence in a Steam sale mm-hmm. at one point. I think it was just one of the midweek sales. Um, and that was my impetus to actually uh, to to tuck into this game. Um, I just hadn't before. Um, I, I'd heard of it. I knew it was it was you know tied in in uh, through through Edmund to to Super Meat Boy, and and so those two games kind of became a bit intertwined to me, and I ended up sort of playing them uh, a little bit interchangeably. I started Super Meat Boy, then I went to Binding of Isaac, and 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 played a lot of that um, until I I beat Mom. And, and then went back to Super Meat Boy uh, before we recorded that episode uh, a little while ago hmm. uh, now. And um, and yeah, Binding of Isaac, so f- for me it, it all came as one package really. I ended up only playing it after uh, Wrath of the Lamb DLC uh, came out. And it's just one of those odd things where I always knew that I was interested in it, but I don't have the touchstones that you guys have in terms of uh, games I think of when when I play it necessarily I definitely recognize the the Zelda dungeon style to it and and that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of top down view to it um but for me I almost wanted to try and play it as a twin stick shooter um and mm. we'll come on to later the the gameplay mechanics and I'm not entirely sure that was the right way to go about playing it but um 
Uh, again, I, uh, uh, so following on from from saying, I kind of came to it in an odd way compared to you guys. Uh, I also played it in kind of an odd way. I played. Steam says twenty seven hours, but as always, it's probably slightly less than that. Um, I basically got to the point where I beat Mom for the first time, and then I just stopped. I that was like <laughs> that. I'd done that. I felt like I got that satisfaction, that release from it, that I'd achieved mm-hmm. that, and I knew there was so much more to do in the game. Um, but not long after that, the the um, rebirth announcement came out, um, and and I thought, yeah, that's perfect. I'll stop here for this one, and I'll wait and and I'll play it. You know, um, play it on console or on on Vita. Probably will be the way I end up playing it um, once once that um, version comes out. Um, so I've kind of had the the appetizer, the precursor, um, but yeah, <laughs> longing to tuck into it a bit more uh, when the when the new version comes out. The Vita will be really nice for it as well, playing on yeah, the yeah. go. Like it, yeah, mm, definitely. It's going to be harmful for me having any spare time anywhere <laughs> I go. <but. laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah, always that distance be... if you're out and about. You can't really turn on the PC and play it. But yeah, if you've got the Vita <laughs> with you, then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It is like having the. Um, it's like when I was uh, heavily into World of Warcraft. Imagine having that in your pocket. Yeah. It's going to be the similar <laughs> sort of thing where you're just like, yeah, I just get my feet around, play some Isaac, and because you've got the sleep button on your Vita as well, you can just pause it whenever you want, <laughs> I guess, and just put it to sleep. Right, I've done the caves. Let's move on to the, you know, the uh, the womb. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's going to be a dangerous game having that on your Vita, which is apparently a, a PS Plus freebie. Well, you know, like the you know the free in inverted yeah, commas. It will be on which the is, uh, PlayStation Plus. Yeah, which is which is great news. I mean, much as I'd gladly pay again for this game I have no qualms oh, yeah. about that um, to, to get it in more people's hands as it were is is uh, great so yeah. so yeah the first thing you notice when you boot up this game uh, on Steam the PC version at least you know uh, there's no other version actually thinking about it is the the rather comical sort of hand drawn aesthetic to the to the intro and I literally didn't know anything about this game other than it was by Edmund. And this story to me was something of a revelation. <laughs> it was like, okay, this game's pretty messed up. And I, you know, I, 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 I draw naturally towards dark comedy. So again, I was, I was interested in playing what this game had to offer. But um, it's taken from a biblical story of the same name. Uh, which I have no rec- no knowledge of whatsoever, and I really I should have done some research for this podcast, but my ignorance towards any type of religion is is so far <laughs> gone that I just I just didn't really want to know. So can anyone enlighten me to the story of the uh, the original um, Binding of Isaac story? I have a really weird relationship with this because at one point in my younger life, I think uh, my early twenties, I had the bright idea that despite not really having um, much knowledge aside from that that you just sort of pick up through through sort of general culture uh, uh, growing up in in britain uh that i guess was for a long time a christian nation um i, I had the bright idea that i would i would read the bible um just out of interest i thought if, if i'm gonna you know i i didn't have a particular fondness for uh religion or or particularly for christianity and i thought i should at least read the bible and see what it's all about um and I have vivid memories of reading the story of Abraham and thinking, "Hang on a minute, this is <laughs> this is not right. This is okay. There's di- t- there's time, distance, and there's different cultures, and there's different uh, you know morality involved, etc." But it disturbed me greatly. This story, not necessarily the 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 specific binding of Isaac part of it, but just the whole the whole notion of this person called Abraham uh, in the Christian Bible. Um, 
Now, originally, uh, the, the Binding of Isaac specifically is, a, is more commonly known as a Hebrew Bible story, I, I believe. Um, and the, the sort of, the nuts and bolts of it are that God comes to Abraham and, and asks him to sacrifice his son Isaac uh, on, mm. on this uh, large mountain. It may be a range of mountains, but I think commonly it's thought to be one specific mountain called Mount Moriah. Um, and Abraham actually bound his son uh, before placing him upon the sacrificial altar that they'd built from, uh, I believe they'd built from, from wood that they'd both carried up the hill together. Um, Isaac went up the hill believing that they were going to sacrifice an animal that God would uh, provide for them. But obviously Abraham was, tr- was kind of tricking him into taking him up there and sacrificing uh, Isaac himself. Um, so there's this really... It's this really weird situation where there's this uh, Abraham is kind of uh, the focus for the introduction of the idea of of sacrifice in the name of of God in the name of a power that is greater than you, um, and and so uh, stuff like circumcision that comes from Abraham obviously being a Hebrew Bible story. There's um, Abraham was originally Abram and and it may be a um, it may be a, an issue of different uh, languages there interpreting the same name differently, but at some point. In Abram's story, he is given a new name by God and becomes Abraham. Um, so there's the idea of sacrifice, but also in in Abraham's tale, there's um, he he is the word of God. He he receives the word of God and he's asked to just uh, uh, to leave behind his land and all of his family at the age of about seventy five. And I think that's right. It may be later. It may be in his nineties. And to move to this new land on the the God's promise of wealth and a new family and and land. Um, and that kind of starts to establish uh, in the, the biblical in the biblical sense the notion of inheritance and passing on the land and the wealth that you have to your descendants. Um, so there's there's a lot tied up in this. But the particular thing that I struggled with in the Bible was that Abraham, uh, when he's going to Egypt, pretends that his wife is his sister, um, mm-hmm. and then essentially tricks a pharaoh into coveting a married woman on the basis that Abraham is in God's favor so therefore this pharaoh is going to have to do whatever Abraham wants because God otherwise will punish the pharaoh for his his uh, immorality and immoral actions and that really turned my stomach the notion that that's something professed <laughs> by the bible this man who is in God's favor for reasons we know not although possibly to do with the sacrifices Abraham makes um, there's a real, there's something really twisted about that, and so I like to think that th- that sort of twisted notion of this person and the act of sacrificing his son, which actually he doesn't have to do. Uh, God does provide a ram o- on the top of the hill to be sacrificed. It was more just testing Abraham to see if he would have done. Um, well, my recollection from the story, mm. he gets pretty close to it, though, right? Like he's he's at the point of being willing to do it, and. It seems like from again, like this is going back to my to my younger days, um, mm. that he, God, yeah, he just wanted to see that he would do it, mm. and he just wanted and he wanted to leave it to the very last minute to say, oh wait, no, you don't have to. I just mm. wanted like as a test of faith, I guess. Yeah, yeah, is at least yeah. is part of it, um, and he. Because the, and isn't he like he has a sort of not a not a physical fight but a spiritual fight with God up, once at the top because he's mm. saying you know this is the last thing I I want to do I really don't want to do this 
But if that is what you're asking me to do, I will yeah. do it. However, yeah. however wrong it feels to me. Mm. Yeah, it's it's, mm. it's 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 really um, it's interesting in one sense, but there's a lot of it that I find very uncomfortable just as uh, the notion mm. of it. So obviously that brings it. it it's often very difficult to question the motive of, of God because obviously God is all-knowing and we are supposedly not and therefore we can't possibly understand the motives. But in this case, it seems like that's that's a very vain God being portrayed. They just mm. want to see if if uh, his using the, the obvious you know, gender non-specific term for God, um, his f- subjects will will do anything asked of them in his name. You know, it's very aggra- self-aggrandizing of of that God to, to do that. But um, it, it brought up some, uh, reading about it, brought up some quite interesting uh, differences between the story presented in, in the game, The Binding of Isaac, and, and the sacrifice that is asked of Abraham. Obviously, you've got a father figure against a mother figure, and that culturally has very different significance fathers being quite domineering but mothers um particularly in this case i I find it tough not to to watch the intro to binding of isaac and think of um you know norman bates and his mother and and that relationship that very twisted version of a, a a mother uh son relationship um and then there's the fact that uh, Abraham is asked to sacrifice isaac on top of a hill uh, in the glory of god if you like whereas um Whereas Isaac's mother ends up trying to sacrifice him in this dirty, dank basement, just filth-ridden. You know, it's a very different situation to be in, maybe perhaps more appropriate to the task at hand in, in the game versus in, in the in the legend or, or the, the story, as it were. Um, and then you've got the... Yeah, sorry, go on, Lou. Yeah. Um, so in the, ga- in the game as well, it's all tied up in the notion of ungodly things that that mm. that Isaac yeah. wants to play with isn't it like it's all his toys yeah which yeah. i think that's that a lot of that's tied up in Edmund's childhood experiences of mm. there being things that he was he wants to play with or was interested in that he was told by his mother no that's ungodly that's not of god uh you're not allowed to play with that and so i think that's that's sort of a, a metaphor that he's mm. he's describing there where well, it's and, like, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the the Christian God, the Catholic God, is telling his mother that he's not allowed to play with evil stuff when mm. he doesn't necessarily see any evil in it. It's just just some things he wants to play with or, or whatever. Yeah, and and that's very telling about video games because for a lot of people, video games are not necessarily seen as something ungodly, but are certainly seen as as something that children shouldn't do too much, shouldn't indulge in too much because they're not healthy and not uh, not. Um, nourishing you know in in the way that you know playing outside or or reading or that kind of thing is is often seen as so yeah it's, it's interesting yeah the the story behind the binding of Isaac, as you just briefly heard there was a uh, you know it's, it's quite an interesting one like i say the hand-drawn art style uh you see isaac on the floor playing with the toys that you know he, well that he wants to play with and his mother receives um a message from god while watching christian broadcasts on tv uh the the narrator over the you know over the top of all this States that the house is on a hill, probably the hill that references the original Binding yeah, of Isaac definitely. story. And um, <clears throat> yeah, and Isaac is pretty much forced into the basement where all these ungodly creatures are. And he has to survive. He has to fight his way back out uh, to survive his, his, you know, his, his murderous mother. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's mental. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I've never seen anything like it. And <laughs> no. um, I you know, I just can't, I, I could never picture that ever happening in, a, in an intro to a game. Um, 
So before we go on to how the game plays and stuff, there's um there's quite a lot of things that sort of like in between the levels when you fight the bosses and stuff like this, which we'll get to in a second, there are other little tiny bits of story nuggets in between that sort of suggest that um Isaac didn't have the best life or like the, yeah. the happiest life or maybe he was somehow sort of bullied by other people. Um, I, it's it's not it's not elaborated on at all really in the game. Uh, that I that I saw, but like when you when you defeat your boss and you, you you descend to a lower level, you get these sort of you see a picture of Isaac surrounded by all the nasty creatures in the world or in the basement, um. But he's sort of crying on the floor and he has these little thought bubbles of maybe his previous life of just him like you know sitting on a toilet getting berated by other children who are abusing him, um. And to be honest, I found them really funny. But like again, it's the dark comedy. You're just like. Okay, someone's farting on Isaac's head like that. That's quite funny to me. Like I'm a bit childish <laughs> like that. But <laughs> I just wondered if there was like any through story, like linking them all together. I, could, I couldn't really piece them together as a jigsaw. They were just they just seemed to be little fragments of his life, maybe. Well, so anyone... so sort of related to that, I guess. There's there's obviously there's all the different playable characters. Um, mm. That if you look at them, it's all just Isaac with like a wig on or different clothing. <laughs> it's all the same person, which. To me, I mean, I don't know. Is that is that an element of multiple personality disorder? Is that imaginary friends playing with yourself? Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I think imaginary friends is what I took it as the notion that as a child, if you put a wig on, you could be someone entirely different. With di- and and yeah. obviously the different abilities that they have or the different bonuses yeah. they have as characters, um, those are the different personality traits that simply just pretending to be someone else could give you. You know, I think yeah, mm. very much. Hmm. Yeah, so those are indeed like different playable characters that have their own traits, as you just said, and uh, yeah, that feeds into how you get to the the platinum god status of uh, old Louis over there, <laughs> which I'm not I'm not jealous of at all. <laughs> so, as we alluded to earlier, the the core mechanic of the game, if you can picture uh, an eight bit or a sixteen bit Zelda game, um, you know, from top down, uh, bird's eye view type. Um, but more more action based than say a Zelda game. Whereas you know in a Zelda game you have to push and pull puzzles, you know for switches for puzzles and stuff like that. Uh, mainly this game is a is a Smash TV action based game in the fact that you, you step through a door which uh, unlocks after you defeated all the enemies again like Zelda, and you are then tasked to defeat more enemies and it's all randomly generated. That's the thing about this. It's a it's a roguelike, which is probably one of my first roguelikes that I'd um I'd encountered. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same for me. Yeah, um, I I knew the term. Um, I, I uh, it's odd because I've only played maybe what I would consider a couple of roguelike games, really, and and mm. the the term gets thrown around quite a lot. And I actually, despite having no real affinity to the term or or the game type, aside from having enjoyed uh, this in particular. Um, it actually irks me a little when I hear the term being thrown around either as a compliment or just as, as a description of a game where it doesn't really fit. You know, it's often used just as a substitute for saying a game is quite hard. Um, but th- mm. there are supposedly quite uh, fixed definitions for what a game would have to do in order to be a roguelike or indeed a roguelite. Um, and one of the main things is the random level generation. Um, that's very specifically there. And the notion of not having a... Uh, not having a save game and not having lives to to be able to restart and and um, carry on, yeah. 
So, yeah, the roguelike mechanic is definitely a phrase that's been banded around. Like That and Metroidvania, I think, this year and last year are the two phrases that I just see almost in every Kickstarter mm. campaign. Mm. And it's sort of been diluted to a point where I don't really know what to expect from the game anymore, which is a shame. Because ever since playing Isaac for over 100 hours and not achieving Golden God status, it doesn't hurt, um, is that <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I can't really get into any other roguelike other than The Binding of Isaac. Maybe Spelunky, I've got into quite a lot. I think mm-hmm. that's a really good game. But, um, so I think what, what what Spelunky, Binding of Isaac, and Tower of Guns have that a lot of the other sort of mm-hmm. more traditional roguelikes that I've, I've not been able to get into, they have the, the permadeath. Re, you're not, grad, you're not uh, progressing with save states and multiple lives or anything through the game, but you are mm-hmm. unlocking other stuff as you go. But even mm-hmm. if... Um, so it's and there's not quite so much of it in Spelunky, but the, in Spelunky there's the other characters that you, that you unlock, um, mm. and then there's uh, you've got your journal that you keep filled up. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Tower of Guns and Binding of Isaac, there's more. There's like the different characters in Binding of Isaac. There's all the items that that get added to the random rotation when you do certain yeah. things, um, and Tower of Guns has the different perks and weapons and stuff. And I think I mean mm-hmm. there's two sort of progression systems where it's you're unlocking stuff as you go through the game, and then the other half of it is you're developing your skills and you're learning how the different systems work and finding out different strategies. Having both of those going on together is, I think, what makes Banny of Isaac particularly uh, interesting to me. When I was talking about roguelikes, there's actually a list of what's called the Berlin Interpretation. It's, it's madness, <laughs> and and it's far too dictatorial in terms of uh, uh, of what is just the term roguelike should just be saying this evokes something of the game rogue, which hands yeah. up the number of people who've played that. I guarantee you, the number of people who consider themselves fans of roguelikes. Mm. Fraction of those tiny, tiny fraction of those will have actually played the original game that that apparently inspired them. I certainly haven't. Um, but we've got randomly generated dungeon levels, um, items across different across different plays of the game may change what they do. So a, a given magical item may do one thing when you play the game once, but then may do something else the next. That's mm-hmm. kind of like being randomly generated. Um, it, what, it, what the idea of that is it gives an idea of discovery every time you're not quite sure how something's going to happen. Um, combat system should be turn-based instead of real-time. Um, mm-hmm. Should generally be a single-player game, but if it's multiplayer, it's through a leaderboard often rather than through direct uh, direct interaction as it were um, and permadeath is the other one that's the that's kind of the main tenets of it and the idea of a roguelike mm. is it employs some maybe most of those tenets but not all of them and then roguelike may, roguelite may only have one of those tenets involved so I mean there are games arguably rogue legacy doesn't really doesn't really do any of that and yet it used mm. rogue in the name and uh, you know it, it, <laughs> In in many ways, it doesn't really subscribe to enough of that, perhaps, to be called a roguelike, for instance. And and you know there are several games that often are, are ascribed that term, and I don't think it really fits. But this is certainly one of them. This really does. That reading through those really spoke to me, and and I think mm. the only one is items doing a different thing every time. Most items mm. are kind of fixed in this game. 
I think really. So yeah, the um, the overall character progression throughout your run in the Binding of Isaac is probably the biggest attraction for me. Um, the the fact that it, it, in each in each layer of the dungeon or the basement, you are you know you see in the top left corner a map, and it, it sort of unfolds as you as you walk into those rooms and defeat the enemies. Um, the the excitement comes from not only do you have like a staple arsenal of your tears, which are your bullets, uh, but you also have your keys, which are which are usable but also collectible, mm. as well as bombs, which are used to blow up obviously uh, bricks and uh, secret walls and super secret walls if you are lucky enough to find them. But the actual overall progression of your character, which makes that run solely unique to that 40 to an hour you know or 60 minutes gameplay is what kept me coming back because you're never ever sure what the game is going to is going to you know either punish you with or greet you with it's mm-hmm. going to it's, it's completely like surprising every time like even today had one run before the for this recording and i'd seen like i'd barely like never ever have i found the 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 buzzsaw from super meat boy and oh. it was just like I've played this game for like 120 hours. I've never really seen that. I've seen it once before. And now now Isaac's completely red, dripping blood, because he's a Super Meat Boy fanboy. It's like, this is absolutely crazy. So, yeah, the, the game's ability to surprise yeah. uh, at, at every corner is, um, is, is both tense, exciting, and the reason why I kept playing. And it's not even just individual items. Like, there's, there's combinations of items where yeah. one item does something specific when you do it with another one. Um mm. And you might never ever see that combination of items, or you, or you might get it a couple of times, and you never know. And you can, even yeah. items that you think you know inside out, you, you realise when you combine it with another one, <laughs> it does something slightly different that, that changes how you play. Yeah, specifically the tiers. Um, I often find myself getting upgrades to my tiers and finding that, you know, turning them into like toxic or acid tiers and, and then getting different spray patterns where they come out mm. or they shoot slightly further or slightly faster. And yeah, it would really, it would surprise me. And sometimes a, a good run was only one good upgrade away, you know, that that, yeah. uh, that one item or upgrade would make all the difference. Um, in terms of being surprised, I remember the first time I walked in, so... I got to the boss of the first floor of the the uh, basement, um, and obviously died. Because let's face it, it's me. I'm not in the games. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then I got back there again. I was so excited to get there. I didn't see the entrance screen telling me it was a different <laughs> boss, and just it completely threw me. And I died even quicker the second time around because it was a different boss. <laughs> and I was no, that's not right. I'd, I'd got come to terms with the fact that every room was different, but there were rules governing it. But as far as I was concerned, the boss should still be the same boss, and it wasn't, and it just completely floored <laughs> me that that would be the case. Um, mm. Yeah, just surprises like that, or you know, picking up an item and finding it actually powered me down rather than powered me up. I just oh. it, you you feel that indignation, then you just laugh because it's just <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the, you know, I've got to remember that item now. I almost wanted a notepad mm. there so I could jot down the name of the item. Never pick this up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. You say the, uh, the the jotting down of like making a personal journal, much like Spelunky does. Yeah, I had to have um, and I was kind of against this at the time because I was playing sort of Minecraft in and out, and I was kind of against the idea of having Wikipedia open when when playing a game. But when it when it came to the Binding of Isaac, and especially when Wrath of the Lamb came out, I just kept forgetting what these tarot cards and what do they do? Like judgment. Okay, I, I know what it means now, but within the first thirty hours of gameplay, I was like judgment. What does that do? I press it, Q to activate the card. Oh, it does something really good that's not necessary the, for yeah, this time. Yeah, in an empty you know. room, it does nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I had to have like a little guide alongside me, and I think that's really crucial to have like a little tablet or just a second screen or something. Yeah. 
unnecessary but really completely essential to your gameplay because like it might sound like oh yeah you need an iPad to play Binding of Isaac and, <laughs> but you don't really but if you want to go to the depths of you know the the, the crazy places that games goes you kind of need to be on your game and having that that little you know reminder little jolt to the brain like you know if you if you there's the card called the moon that will take you to the shop I, I think and it's mm-hmm. like okay I'll, I'll check it out pause the game Google Isaac the Moon. <laughs> oh yeah, it takes you to yeah. the shop or I something like that. I definitely think you should only do that to check stuff when you think you know, but you're not sure. Like you can't mm. play it like first time through checking items out before you get them. Like that, oh, no. that'll kill your enjoyment of it. I would say definitely play the first. Like, like you say, play the first like maybe twenty hours. Just just go in by the seat of your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like just fly, just go fly solo, just experiment with the game and see just how crazy it turns out to be. So. As you're wandering through the basement, the cellar, the uh, the, the whatever, you are, there are just tons of rooms to explore and find, and sometimes they're um, they're sort of they're they're baited with a boss, and I think these bosses are determined by what kind of gameplay style you're currently adopting. So I think if you have like a bunch of coins on you and you walk into a shop, there's a good chance that there'll be a, a boss or a mini boss called Greed there, oh. and it'll attack you. And it, it'll, it'll suck the money out of you every time it hits you. I've always and just I, assumed I, it was totally random, but that could make sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I remember reading that somewhere, as well yeah. as uh, The Wrath of the Lamb also introduced Super Greed, which was, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love Greed anyway. I thought he was brilliant. So to make a better version of him, I was over the moon, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, greed is the one boss that I couldn't really handle, and I don't know why, because he's essentially just Isaac with money for eyes, like, you know, the dollars dollar signs for in his eyeballs i just couldn't work out why i couldn't really beat him 100 percent. but there's other ones like um well it's all the um yeah so we've got like well i remember envy being a very typical well well not typical but a very obvious bomberman spoof um, and is, yeah uh, it's quite good Lust. sorry yeah <laughs> and envy's the one that splits into little versions of itself until it turns into like a super pang sort of thing where there's just a billion little <laughs> spheres bouncing around the room yeah, it's um, they're, they're a lovely little, um, you know, nods and um, hints towards other games. In well, the, the, uh, you know, the in, snake boss is classic Zelda, isn't it? That you can feed the bombs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't help but just notice that because uh, you, you know you, you lay bombs and it, it it does feel like a Zelda game when you're laying bombs down against like a. It's not as as well signposted in Isaac for obviously you know randomised reasons, but if you bomb a wall and you get the jingle, you just think, well, that, that's you know that's left <laughs> straight out of Zelda, as, as well as some of the bosses as you mentioned. So yeah, um, these these secret rooms and super secret rooms. Um, uh, very rarely have I have I found the I am error screen, and when uh. I found that, I was completely bemused <laughs> and confused. I was just like. What is this? I've never seen this before. There's, like a, there's a Mr. T looking guy in there <laughs> saying, I am error. I just didn't know what to make of it. And again, it's a prime example of how bonkers and surprising that game can be even after, you know, X amount of hours. So I've played this, I've, I've played it, yeah, like hundreds and hundreds of hours. I've seen that mm. room three times. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Each oh, time it's got like, a slightly like, different twist on it as well. Yeah, and I, I I think most of this is down to the Wrath of the Lamb DLC coming out and sort of making the game what it should be. Mm. And I I hate to say that because, you know, the game Vanilla Isaac should be playable enough as it is. But I think Edmund himself, nearly called him Isaac then, <laughs> Edmund himself, um, he he made this DLC to make the game what he thought it was going to be in the first place, which is you know it's quite it's quite refreshing to hear that. We've but it's, got another it's drop. um, 
I find it really interesting when you were talking about how this was developed. It it strikes me as you know you have this nugget of an idea and and it grows and grows and grows, and it it really seems like um, Edmund himself was surprised. You know he wasn't planning on charging anything for this. It was just a game he was putting mm. together, as you say, as part of a game jam. And then he was convinced to to charge some money for it. And then pr- it seems to me like and. Who knows? But it seems like then that was the opportunity to say, right, okay, I've charged for this, but there's so much more can go into this, and it's only right now that I'm charging people money for it to go back and try and build it all back in. And then with Rebirth mm. as well, I think part of the idea of the the visual change in that, I, I seem to re- remember reading, um, is that actually... The visuals that that were that I really like in the original Binding of Isaac, the the Steam version, um, the visuals that were there um, weren't how Edmund really pictured it. So he wanted to go for something that was a bit more pixelated, a bit more retro looking. When he sort of broke, when when the game broke free of being the Flash game that it was in the first place, when there was the opportunity to 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 change that art style. Um, They've taken it. When the new art style make it more feasible to do more visual representation of items as well, because obviously there's a lot of that in the original version where you pick something up and then you see a change in Isaac or your character's appearance. Mm. But not all not all items do that. Uh, No, and sometimes they are quite subtle. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be more of that now because it's it's more feasible to do that with the style. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. so the, the 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 flash nature of this game, it kind of hinders people's ability to get into it, and I completely uh, sympathise with the people who, who struggled to get in into playing uh, the Binding of Isaac because the control method behind it is quite controversial, uh, especially from from the circle of friends that I was playing the game, you know, with Steam on. It was kind of like. You get a message saying, how are you, how are you playing this game? Because there are several ways of playing it. You've got the WASD keys to move Isaac and the shift key for bombs and, you know, a Q for using your item. And then you use the arrow the arrow keys on the right-hand side to sort of shoot the tears in the direction you want to. <clears throat> and the four-way directional shooting mechanic was kind of like... It felt like a step back after playing things like, you know, obviously Geometry Wars, which was full 360 degrees, and other twin-stick shooters. Like, like you said earlier on, James, you tried to play it like a twin-stick shooter and realised you know, straight away that that's not how you should be tackling this game. And I keep getting messages from people, just like, how are you playing this? And I was like, at first I was playing uh, WASD and then the mouse to sort of aim my shots a little bit, but then I realised that's, that's pretty pointless. And I, I even ended up using Joy Tequila for a little while, which is recommended in the options menu. And even then I wasn't feeling it because it just didn't feel right. And it took me a little while to get over the hurdle of the WASD and arrow key, you know, the arrow keys. Um, but that is, like, it, it becomes second nature after a, you know, after a certain amount of time. And It's definitely by design, the, the, the four-way aiming thing. Like, there's some of the yes, enemies definitely. that if you had 360-degree aiming, it would, it would just break the challenge. Like, mm. be, yeah. And... and once you once you get in, or at least my experience with the, with the WASD and the, the arrow keys, once it clicks, you and you start sort of like moving side to side to aim your shots with the momentum. Like it just feels mm. so right when you can aim aim a shot diagonally and get it just right. Not not for pointing there, but by because mm. you, your tears have momentum that carry on. In the yeah, direction. manipulating the the physics of the game. Yeah. 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 So once you suss out, you know, using Isaac's sort of inertia to drift these shots across gaps that you can't reach to, 
and just finally you know, all the minutiae of Isaac's move uh, movements. It, yeah, it really becomes something more than I, than I thought it would be. I thought it was just a, a strict up, down, left, right shooter. But you know, the, the more you modify your Isaac via the pickups from you know the, from the shops, from the loot rooms and stuff like that, you realise that the game has you know so much more to offer than than you know uh, than a full three sixty you know um, shooting mechanic. Uh, if rebirth, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure rebirth is keeping the same four directional yeah. thing from what I've seen in the uh, gifts they've been leaking. Uh, but you know, let's say hypothetically, if they did go full three sixty, it would just sort of ruin the magic that game has, and it's. It kind of feels retro by design, if you know what I mean. Like it kind of feels like, like you say, it was done that way yeah. on purpose to um, yeah. to keep the challenge there. Because let's face it, this game's pretty tough. Yeah. The, yeah, the only I, exception, I, of course, is the the epic fetus item, which I don't know if either of you've got. Which I is, think I've seen it once. So that's no. that's when forget about using the the uh, buttons. Switch to a mouse mm. because that's the one where you call in a missile from the sky, yeah. and it goes <laughs> it goes wherever your curse is placed. So then mm. you can do independent aiming from your movement, and it totally changes how you play the game. Oh um, man, I didn't even think about controlling that with a mouse. I yeah. had that once, and that's it's when really I got to hard with the buttons, isn't it? And I always end up shooting yeah. myself when I and dying <laughs> yep. when I try to use the buttons. But, but isn't well, it great that you can shoot yourself? You know, it can <laughs> oh, yeah, be yeah. as much of a curse as a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's the one time I actually got to the cathedral when I was fighting the devil or something like that. I can't yeah. really remember my memory. <laughs> and I, I did blow myself up using that during a tense boss fight with um, not fat mummy legs, but fat beastly devil legs. I, it was, yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. Well, so it makes um, the boss fights really easy because you can just keep your cursor on them and just keep holding them, it yeah. and just focus on dodging. Yeah. You don't have to worry about anything. So the next time, <laughs> <laughs> next time it pops mm. up, yeah, we'll, we'll know. It'll be interesting to see how they do handle the control scheme on uh, on Vita, obviously, because it's kind of going to have to be done via the twin sticks. And like you, Dar and I, mm. with a with a three sixty pad in my hand and joy to key, it, it encouraged me so much to try and play it as a twin stick shooter. And you're absolutely right; it took me a lot longer than it should have to get to and defeat Mum because. Mm. I was trying to play it like a twin stick shooter and what you realize when when you just force yourself to sit there and play it four directional to start with you just you want to play it always in the sort of cardinal you know four four way directions and you want to think right okay I'm going to I'm going to just always line myself up shoot dodge and do that and then you start then you start building in the the manipulation of the physics and and using the momentum of the tears to kind of arc them um arc them either over rocks into enemies or or you know mm. just slight so you can stay slightly out of their path you realize that that Isaac has he's almost superpowered in that respect because he can he can arc his shots like that whereas the enemies are kind of just stuck to whatever their ai routine is you know however they shoot they yeah. shoot that's it um whereas you've got the ability to almost feel it does it starts to feel like you're curving it through through mm. a third dimension that they don't have access to almost it's really it's really smart and I, i'll be interested to see how they handle that obviously on on a, a controller a dual shot controller mm. and on on the vita uh, on console um hopefully they've found a way to either maintain that sense of control or to at least rebalance it so that the challenge stays there because yeah that that challenge it made it feel like such a triumph once uh, once mm. you defeat you know well in my case mom but i guess for you guys you know later bosses so 
Yeah, I'm kind of hoping with the Vita version or the PS4 version that they just forgo the sticks and they use the D-pad and the face buttons for uh, aiming and moving. I don't think they'll be able to get away with that. Like, I, I think oh, that's going to be the optimum control scheme, but people are going to mm. want to use the sticks even even though it's not yeah. going to be the best way. Yeah, I'm hoping there's some sort of you know rebind, rebinding. No, uh, rebind <laughs> rebinding your key. Way. I hope you're allowed. To, you know, you can configure your controls. You can do, you can do what you want because this game is all about being comfortable with controlling Isaac and once you find your preferred method then you know you're off it reminds me of Hotline Miami in that sense if you try and pick it up and play it like you think you should any other game it will Mm. kick you in the backside throw you out the window and smash your head on the curb um, Mm. fittingly for Hotline Miami but if you actually (laughs) learn how to control it you know um, keyboard and mouse seems like such an odd way to play uh, Hotline Miami but you know plenty of people who've played hours of that game will tell you that actually you get used to what seems like awkward controls to begin with and you will become just you know almost unstoppable at that game because you're you know I can't play it with a controller I have to do keyboard and mouse yeah yeah. Yeah, definitely feels like it feels too cumbersome and I've got none Mm. of the precision that I need yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's just because that's where I started playing it. From, I've heard mm, yeah. people that started on the controller and then they couldn't go deep on the mouse. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm. So, James, you mentioned earlier that you, you beat Mum once, Mom once, mm-hmm. and you never returned due to the rebirth announcement. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of similar in the fact that... sort of. So the overall goal for Isaac is to get the Polaroid, uh, from what I can gather... Uh, is to, and I've got two pieces of this Polaroid. Luckily, I don't know how, but my save was still on this computer after it being wiped, and I think it must have pulled it from Steam somehow. Mm. And I, I remember loading it back up a couple of weeks ago, and I saw the two pieces of the Polaroid coming together, and I was like, right, I'm sort of getting there. But every time I, I was going for the third piece, I couldn't really... I just couldn't do it. It was ridiculous, because you, you kind of have to play it with the other characters to get this item to then become the golden god i assume which is where louis comes in because i'd like to know just quite how exactly you become the platinum god uh how'd you go about doing it because i've never I, I could have researched it but again half the fun is finding out yourself like if i play now as samson how far do i have to go to then you know get the third piece of the polaroid i couldn't really work it out you know it's all a bit of a blur it happened so long ago now. <laughs> um yeah. I, I seem to remember you have to is you have to get all the items I, I think to be platinum god, right? Um, and to do that, you have to complete like the final, final, final secret super boss uh, with each of the different characters, as well as doing all the other stuff that unlocks all the different items. Um, so the Polaroid that you're referencing, I think once you once you fully assemble the Polaroid, that mm. becomes one of the uh, trinkets that you can get. Mm-hmm. The Polaroid, um, and mm-hmm. and so once you, once that happens, then when you beat Mom, she drops a Polaroid, and you have to get to the final boss with the Polaroid, um, right? With each of the different characters, I think. I think that's it, and so so obviously you can't be using any other trinkets, um, mm. and and unless you've got you've you've got the. Uh, Polaroid equipped, you won't be able to get to the final chapter. Um, mm. So yeah, this is a spoiler. Uh, this, this is a spoiler <laughs> cast. So if, if you want to go into the depths that the uh, the binding advisor takes you, feel free to uh, spoil away. Yeah. I know they're a, they're a crazy place. Like you ended up you end up inside a giant chest at one point. I'm not too sure if that's the ultimate end game. Um, so, uh, but yeah. So so yeah, there's basically if you you when you get the chest, which is after so once you're in. 
the is it the cathedral level, the church level, the, the one that looks mm-hmm. oh it's heaven, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Um, when you when you beat that with the Polaroids, there's a chest which you climb inside. If if you don't have the Polaroid, that's just the end, and, and the end is as it climbs into the chest. If you mm-hmm. do have the Polaroid, there's a whole other chapter that's inside the chest where every single room is filled with bosses, basically. Um, <laughs> and then there's a crazy hard boss at the end of that as well. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, it just it keeps... Like, like Mom is not a challenge to me anymore, just because I've played it too much. She's almost like mm-hmm. a regular enemy. But mm-hmm. it keeps scaling, getting more and more difficult with the secret mm-hmm. chapters afterwards. <laughs> at, at the risk of sounding like everyone else that talks about games, um, I've got to mention a Dark Souls reference. It is kind of that Dark Souls thing where... Where you first fight the Taurus Demon, you think it's the hardest thing in the world, and then sort of later on, you can just destroy it in seconds. It is like that with um, Binding of Isaac. Like you say, you you step into the mom room and you're just like, okay, right, I'll, you know, I'll, I've got the items ready to tackle this now. Watch out for the shadow that stomps on your face, and you, you'll be fine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing just how adept you become at uh, just manipulating the room at will. And, uh, you know, the, the, I, I can get to... Shul, I don't know how you pronounce it. Shul, Shul, yeah. um, quite comfortably. But as soon as it gets to that kind of like devilish area, I yeah, I crumble under both pressure and skill. Yeah. So uh, I've I've only seen the chest in like video form and you know just yeah. hearsay on the internet, which I, I found really exciting. That the fact there were these like doesn't matter how many times you play the Binding of Isaac, you will always find something new and exciting to you know to discover. And I think. That's the ultimate reason why everyone, not everyone, but, you know, why a lot of the people played this game and just played it for hundreds of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, the art style for this game is very Ebba McMillan. You know, it, it kind of feels like it was pulled from Newgrounds.com, which you know, it, you know, it's quite clear. You know, from the Super Meat Boy cutscenes, they've got that very thick black outline with a very cartoony, you know, um, you know, aesthetic to it. Uh, how does how do people feel about the art style? Is it is it something that made you come back to it? Like oh, you know, I'd love to see that. You know how man how different this looks in different situations, or or was it was it primarily the gameplay that um, kept you coming back? I think I enjoyed the the, the contrast between just like how dark and, and like sinister a lot of the things is with the really cute, smiley, yeah. cartoony art style. <laughs> I think yeah, like. I, uh, like if this was a realistic looking game it would be a straight up horror game but because yeah. everything's all cartoony it makes it quite <laughs> funny I think mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely I, um, I really like the art style I've, since I played this I've been back to the basement collection and I hadn't played any of the games that are in that previously mm. this game kind of feels Super Meat Boy feels like it was it was something slightly different. I know the art style, you can definitely see the similarities, but to me it feels slightly different. Um, this feels almost like a love letter to all those games that that Edmund had made previously in terms of the art style, kind of. It's very mm. typical of those, but it's also very disturbing and feels freshly disturbing in a way that those games, mm. those games didn't. Um, I, I, I'm, I have really... Um, I like it, but I'm not sure why, because by all rights, this should be horrifying, the things that are happening. You know, <laughs> uh, Darren, you mentioned that the little cutscenes between um, between the different levels, um, they're, they're quite funny, and they kind of are, but then I caught myself thinking, oh, that's kind of amusing, and then realizing what was happening. You know, 
Isaac being shut in a box, which I don't know if that's a reference to the chest later on in, in the actual story, but his memory of being shut in a box and it opened and you see him panting away. He's being terrorised and bullied and harangued and harassed and just generally abused in these cutscenes. Mm. And you think about that and the it really there's this dichotomy between the the cartoonish nature of it and you know you see mom's foot for the first time and it looks disgusting but quite funny in in a way because it's so absurd and so grotesque almost but there's a real menace to that if you think about it you know a, a, a mom who is who is chasing after her child to kill her in the name of the madness that that her head has created to tell her that god wants her to kill her child stamping on her child with a, a, a stiletto heel it's a really um there's a guttural horror to it there really is um mm. and uh, it almost because it's a flash game it has that kind of almost paper art style where it's almost like it's isaac's a piece of you know a few pieces of paper stuck together sliding across the screen um that again gives it that that kind of um awkwardness to the movement and and to the way it looks that is is really odd and i think with the the music and the aesthetic, you know, with all the the, the piles of feces and the walls are smeared and the the just the awfulness of where you are, it the puddles of blood that enemies leave behind and all this yeah, stuff. absolutely, mm. and the squelch that it makes and stuff like that. It it's quite overwhelming. It, it it's one of those games. You know, there are games that create such an atmosphere. You feel like you can smell and and feel the 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 atmosphere of, of the rooms you're in of the areas you're in and this is one of them you, i can i can imagine what it would smell like to be in in this horrific basement surrounded by these bags of flesh that are just oozing blood and, and all manner of other things at you it's um mm. yeah it's, it's a bit for, of body horror isn't it with a lot of yeah, a lot definitely. of the bosses and enemies you can see there's something vaguely human about them the, but some kind of body totally part of a human yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah, and a lot of the enemies in they, they they resemble Isaac as if they're like twin brothers. Oh, yeah, apart from yeah. they're sort of dead and maybe a little bit dismembered in some cases. It's really, really, yeah, horrific. But at the same time, like comedic. It's like okay, there's a real freaky looking <laughs> version of me in the corner there. It's going to mirror my movements because we're in uh, my mum's womb right now. And yeah, it's it's a completely freaky but funny thing. Yeah, do those um, mirror? Did that enemy only start appearing in the womb? I've not I've not pieced that together. I think so, yeah, because every because oh, right. he's 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 li- he's literally got no skin, so he's he's just yeah, bleeding. He's red. Yeah. He's li- and he, he sort of again echoes Zelda from previous games, where he's sort of like the mirror version of you, like Dark Isaac, yeah. you know. And uh, he will do what you do, and once you sort of figure him out, you know, you can sort of you can sort of cheese him quite easily by making him run into spikes and stuff like that. But yeah, and um, we we mentioned Mum being you know a boss boss battle but that is just like the tip of the iceberg yeah, so to speak yeah, because you end up going inside the womb uh which when i saw that it was uh, i didn't know what to well <laughs> i kind of knew what to expect but i didn't actually think to myself yeah okay let's let's go into the womb now yeah that, that, that's a natural progression for this game to go and yeah uh that is it's after you kill them as well isn't it so it is yeah so she gives out this hot harrowing screech like isaac and you're like oh god what have i done and then you end up going inside her and you're like oh man like this is this is ridiculous and it keeps the, the traditional top-down Zelda-style view, but all the walls are made of meat and blood and yeah. sinew and entrails. Oh, it is, it is something just... It is ridiculous. And the boss inside that, I, it, I, 
a, it's just like a, a fetus. Am I right in saying that? It is. Yeah, it goes to depths that um, my imagination couldn't, and it kind of. I think this game, out of all the ones I've played of Emmett McMillan's, you know, repertoire, I think this is the one that captures his imagination the, the most because it's just. I've got his comic book that he re-released, and flicking through that, you can just sort of so you can see Isaac, uh, you know, the, the inspiration for Isaac throughout that. Um, so yeah, the, we mentioned the music by uh, Ye old faithful Danny Baranowski, uh, but I think it's I think it's completely incredible and fits the vibe of the game uh, wholly. Uh, I've heard it so much now that I kind of turn it off because I like it and I like the the reworked version of it in Wrath of the Lamb, the way it sort of adapts on the fly. And it changes depending on how you know what what kind of um, like so it goes basement and then cellar, but then there's kind of like a, a sped up version when you're when you tread into a different room of each floor, or something like that. It kind of adapts on the fly, and I really like that. But I've heard for the the new version, they've completely changed the um, the artist and style. I don't know if anyone else has heard the the new style. Oh, how do you feel about? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a two piece band, I do believe, and they've gone for a, a more macabre um, vibe. Which, if you think about <clears throat> Danny Baranowski's <clears throat> style, it's very Super Meat Boy-esque, you know. It's got a pace yeah, behind it. It yeah. sort of keeps you going. Even though it sounds quite grim and bleak, there's a definite sort of beat, a drum beat in the background that will keep you pushing forward. But from what I've heard of this new... I think I think they're a two-piece band that is uh, one of Edmund's favourites. Uh, it sounds utterly like depressing, like really, really different. And... Um, yeah, I, I urge you all, if you're interested in the Biden of Isaac, if you're listening to this, then you should be, uh, to check out the new art, um, not art style, music style. Uh, but how do we feel about Danny Baranowski? I, I personally, like I say, I really enjoy it. Oh, yeah, I love the music. There's, yeah. there's few games I've played that, like, even like, like FTL is another game that I, I love and I've put hundreds of hours into. I can't listen to mm. music anymore in FTL. I've just heard it too much. <laughs> I have to put something else on. Yeah. But yeah, I always still leave the music on in Binding of Isaac. Um, I think it's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think uh, maybe it is slightly more in tune with the the gameplay than the aesthetic. But as I said, the 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 music and and the sound effects and everything kind of come together to create this uh, that that disturbing aesthetic that I talked about. Um, it would be interesting to because if if the music was more focused on the aesthetic than the gameplay, maybe in in Rebirth, it could actually change the tone of the game quite a bit. So. To, mm. to that extent, I can understand why they would do that because for people who have put 300 hours into the game, there could be a sense of, well, I've played this all before, why would I want to put so many more hours into a new version mm-hmm. when I could just continue to play the the Steam version? M- maybe it's a sense of giving something new and that would be quite interesting that uh, whether for me who, who played not a, a not inconsiderable amount of the game, certainly more than 20 hours, um, or for someone who only just saw a few cutscenes of the game, or for someone who played 300 hours like, like Louis has, um, it, it, hopefully Rebirth will be able to give something new to all of those people and something interesting to all of those people. Mm. Um, so that's interesting, uh, certainly. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a really good point. Uh, I'm going to try and edit in both the old, well, I say old, the, the current music for Binding of Isaac, and, and right at the end, if I know people like to switch off right at the end, keep listening to the end, because I'm going to put in the, the Rebirth mm. Uh, track that they've uh, they've leaked or sort of you know dribbled online, and uh, yeah, uh, post on the forums to see how you feel about it. Uh, yeah, I think like I say, um, it's a, it's a really good point you made there about 
about Rebirth being completely different in terms of visual style as well as you know yeah, um, music style because because you know playing that again for three hundred hours while I would do it you know <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, I would play yeah. it again I that's the reason why I stopped playing the Binding of Isaac on Steam because partly because I sort of plateaued at a skill level and I didn't want to kind of like you know I didn't want to keep smashing my head against the wall and trying to just get to the same point and losing uh, but it was kind of a good reason just to go you know what it was kind of like. When I played World of Warcraft, I, pl- I typed in slash played once and I realised I played 100 days. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop. It was kind of like that with Isaac. It was like, hey, uh, Darren, you, you know you, you know, there's a new one coming out soon? You're like, yeah, yeah, maybe I should stop now. So it was a good sort of, like a sort of like a bookmark for me. Just like, right, mm. stop, and I'll come back to uh, Rebirth. But yeah, having a whole new art style, it kind of, with Rebirth at least, it, it kind of looks like they've gone for a more 16-bit era vibe mm. in the fact that it's quite pixelated. Uh, on purpose, you know, it's quite um, retro. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm I'm really really looking forward to how it turns out. There's not a, there's not much information out there in terms of how it's going to play and look. Uh, there's enough to get a good sense of it. Uh, but what really is coming through at the moment is Edmund McMillan's blog, where he does a Q and A on it, sort of every Friday, mm. I think. And like, obviously, he gets the idiots asking him the same questions over and over and over again. But once in maybe one in ten, there'll be a really good question in there that sort of reveals so much more information mm. about Rebirth as a yeah as a, as a an ongoing development project by um, Nicholas. Which you know that they're, they're fantastic. Like the games they make, you know, we've covered Cave Story Plus oh, on yeah. it before. Develop- Couldn't really pick um, anyone better to be doing it. I don't think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's Tyrone Rodriguez. He seems to be like the guy you go to to make sure your game's going to be fine. <laughs> like that, Nicholas, yeah. the company, they seem to be like they they respect the game yeah. and you know and the artists behind it. Um, and they've obviously yeah. got. It seems like they've got a good working relationship with a lot of the console platform holders as well. Hmm. Yeah, um, which is it kind of comes into question later on when they tried to put Isaac Rebirth onto the uh, Nintendo platforms. But yeah, there's definitely like um, they've picked up '90s arcade racer, which is went straight onto Wii U, which looks you know very promising, very Sega from the arcade days, yeah. as the uh, title suggests. So yeah, they're um, they are an incredible little company that seems to be treating the gamers and developers with uh, yeah, we've seen respect. It, it's, it's interesting. We've seen. Um We've seen groups of studios who sort of specialise in um, in porting, and and recently they've they've become you know specialist groups who who do show a lot more well a lot of respect to the to the game. Curve Studios um, did uh, did the port for Proteus um, and and mm. put a lot of work in, and, and likewise they, they did loads. They did uh, Lone Survivor and Thomas was alone. And yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and they have a good relationship with Sony, so they they in, in that case came to Ed Key and and made the suggestion and, and and formed that bridge between him and Sony to get Proteus onto to Vita and and uh, PS3. Um, and it seems like there are these little studios coming out where they are happy to take someone else's um, game, someone else's uh, brainchild, if you like, and and treat it with res- the respect that the fans of that game are going to appreciate and work mm. with the developer not in against or in spite of the developer and 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 really bring something new to the game but keeping it you know it, keeping it intact and keeping the spirit of it intact which is is really nice to see the 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 tease of rebirth is definitely out there mm. it's um it was announced a little while ago now and like I said it made me stop playing the binding of Isaac 
which you know I, I was kind of expecting it sooner. <laughs> but as 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 with most games that you're waiting for, that they always take longer because because you're waiting for them. Games you're not waiting for, they seem to come out every five minutes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. It was um, originally rumoured, or they, they, they tried to put it onto um, Nintendo's platforms, both the 3DS and the Wii U, I do believe, uh, which was outright just dismissed by Nintendo with um, the, the quite infamous quote of questionable religious content. Now, I don't think it was outright dismissed. I think that conversation went on for a while, and they were trying to work out okay. whether they could or not. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think I'm just reading it from our side of the fence. Where all of a sudden, like one day they were putting it on the Wii U, and then the next day it got shot down in flames. That's how I yeah. seem to remember. Yeah. But yeah, but obviously, like these legal discussions just go on for a lot longer than we're privy to. Yeah. Uh, well, Nintendo have got a bit of a history of not being quite so happy with religious content, haven't they? Mm. There was a lot of mm. a lot of like SNES games that had in the Japanese release they had references to uh, either fictional or, or re- real religions. That then they got changed to to being something else for the um, for the American and European releases, mm. Mm. as well as uh, Zelda: Ocarina of Time had the, um, the the is it the Muslim chants in the Fire Temple, which was then uh, removed in later versions of That's the cartridge. Right, yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, they do have um, you know they're consistent with their questionable religious content uh, phrase, but at the same time it was kind of just like oh man, like <laughs> really, <laughs> come on, like I know. I know you you have your beliefs and your morals, and you got you got to stick to your guns if you believe in that stuff. But like, I, I kind of feel like this the 3DS at least was like a good place for this console to be, um, you know, because the, the top down nature of the game would lend itself well to decent 3D gameplay, like the Zelda Link Between Worlds has proven. Mm-hmm. I just kind of think, you know, like if if you had the uh, the projectile, the the little noxious acid balls that fling up into the sky and back down mm-hmm. again to poison your enemies. Like, imagine seeing that in 3D. I think it would be fantastic, as well as the epic fetus bombs and stuff like that. I think, they're, obviously, they're not going to neuter the content, uh, you know, to, for the yeah. game. They're not, they're not going to start making it all no. McDonald's. You couldn't take you know out I mean? just content. From <laughs> Definitely not, no, because that is the whole game. But uh, I just kind of wish, you know, I kind of wish that that game was on a 3DS, and I'm, I'm happy that Sony swooped in. I'm yeah. like, yep, we'll have that, because they, they saw, you know, uh, a, a diamond free falling in the sky, and the you know the the old Sony stalk <laughs> swooped it up. Um, I, I do kind of worry though. The um, it, it's there wasn't. I, I was kind of expecting once I started playing it there to be like a big Fox News controversy or Daily Mail to be writing about it. But I think because it's only been on PC and only on Steam, it's kind of gone under the radar a bit. And I'm wondering mm. if when it gets PlayStation release, some of the some of the more Irrational uh, elements of the media are going to grab hold of it and and try and make try and make a big issue of this game polluting our children's minds and stuff. Possibly, <laughs> I, I think I, I think that tends to happen when there's a, a big company behind the game that they can point and shake their stick at and that kind of thing. Mm. I, I think it becomes less interesting for media outlets to raise a Ferrari if it's just going to be perceived to be a game from you know two or three individuals who made this game and you know I, I think possibly making it a, P- a PlayStation Plus game is, is interesting because there's a potential there for a lot of people who just routinely download those games um, to be mm. um, to be playing those who maybe to be playing it who wouldn't which I think is great I think the more people that get their hands on The Binding of Isaac um, whether as Rebirth or Original the better but uh, yeah I suppose that might might lead to the situation you you um, suggested, Louis. But I, I think the fact that it's an indie game, there is that sort of idea or a notion that because there isn't a 
a big company like EA or Activision pushing it, then there's no um, the, the impact of it will be lessened. Now, I, I think we can all safely say, sitting here, that that that's you know not the case. There are plenty of games out there that aren't <laughs> you know giant games that are that are damn good and should be mm. celebrated. But I think the the perception is that you know a Fox News or someone like it or a Daily Mail they want a, a rock star games to to string up over whatever it is they perceive as you know corrupting uh, you know children basically mm. um also i wonder if sony are making themselves a target for that though with uh with their, uh, not pushing, but having it on their store having it on their system yeah possibly, well. yeah 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 possibly I, yeah i think the releasing it on steam you don't have to get your game rated uh to yeah. be published on yeah, steam that's true so yeah. you know I saw tweets by Nicholas, the company, saying, you know, um, now we're publishing on consoles and stuff, we have to get an ESRB rating and a PEGI rating, which obviously sort of bumps up the, um, you know, the notoriety of the game. Like, you know, a cartoony game getting a mature rating, that's going to catch some people's eyes. So, yeah, I think it could happen, Louis. I think you're right in saying that. I I definitely think there is someone, if they're desperate for a news story somewhere, (laughs) they may just pick up the torch and run with it. And, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a chance of that happening. Just on the the Nintendo side, I mean, I think it's a shame. I think on the Wii U as well, you know, gamepad play much like on the Vita. I think it's a it's a nice place for it. You know, in your hand, you know, on mm. a, on a nice screen, right, you know, right there, it, it makes it feel like a, a potentially a more personal uh, experience than it would on on PC, perhaps. Um, mm. But I understand, you know, Nintendo have that that mantra, you know, that um, ideal of of drawing a line in the sand and and they've been they've been accused of doing that with um with a lot of kind of r-rated and and adult content in terms of violence as well you know there's been certainly uh in the past a kind of a recognition that nintendo make family friendly games and so Mm -hmm. i can understand them just saying you know for the sake of our audience for the sake of maintaining uh, Nintendo as the family-friendly console company, we'd we'd rather not have certain content on our our machine. Uh, you mm. know, it's their it's their prerogative, and I understand it. And I don't necessarily uh, blame them for that at all. But yeah, it, this game it would be great to see it on as many different um, platforms as mm. possible. Just because I think it's it's even if it's challenging, even if it is, you know questionable religious content which I, I don't necessarily disagree with I think it is questionable I, don't, I just don't think mm. you should stop asking the question you know I think it's perfectly <laughs> reasonable to present something that's challenging and, and perhaps difficult for some people to stomach and it uh, may uh, offend some people you know it's pretty clearly to me at least it's not an attack on religion like mm. which I think some people could maybe perceive it as that yeah it's, it's more he's sort of trying to understand uh, to explain or discuss his experience of religion as a child who, yeah. who didn't really get it but was told these things as facts and like yeah. this is this is how it is um, one person's interpretation of a specific religion yeah no definitely I mean it's, it's very clear that this is a, a TV broadcast and I think a lot of people who would consider themselves religious would agree that the, the sorts of um Religious TV channels that indulge in um, money-raising activities—you know—there are big questions over that. You know, over um, the the morality and whether that's really about the religion and and the motives of the people involved in those sorts of things. It seems to me, at least in the opening cutscene, to set it up more as 
um, Isaac's mother is the antagonist, um, and and her perception of religion and God and what what that means for her and her child, rather than necessarily uh, religion and God as absolutes. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Louis. So let's move on to what our forumites have to say about the Binding of Isaac. Uh, three pieces of forum feedback and some free word reviews. Captain Green says, I've currently pumped about 70 hours of my time into the Binding of Isaac and I don't show signs of stopping. Gameplay remains fresh due to its random nature and unusually for a roguelike, I find that almost any build is viable to complete the game with. It's all about pressing any advantages you can. Skill plays a huge part here as most items have a use, whether general or situational and playing to the strengths given to you adds a great depth to the gameplay. This helps to negate the tedium of the doomed-from-the-start run associated with some roguelikes, and makes it all the more satisfying to complete the game over and over and over again. The narrative is also excellent, requiring the player to piece the story together, a trait which I really enjoy in a game. Thematically, it's plain to see sin and religion, but there's more subtle theme of recessing from reality, one that appears in several of Macmillan's games, which really blew me away. The Binding of Isaac is the best roguelike out there, and I'm thoroughly looking forward to the release of Rebirth later this year. Mm. Yeah, 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 interesting. Tadinio says, The Binding of Isaac is a weird one, mainly because I didn't pick it up because of the gameplay or the pedigree of the creators. I didn't even know what a roguelike slash roguelite was until I played this. I could never get into Super Meat Boy due to me sucking at platformers. No, this was a game that won me over for its bizarre art style and setting alone. The first time I saw a crime protagonist shooting bloody tears at Pooh, I knew I had to play this. <laughs> Gameplay-wise, it's pretty simple and easy to get into. You move, you shoot, and you occasionally use items. What keeps things interesting is the incredible amount of creativity of items and enemies. All that, with the random nature of the game, assures you'll still get surprised, even after hundreds of playthroughs. That said, it's an incredibly unfair game. Some playthroughs, you'll get everything you need to progress, but in others, you're pretty much doomed from the start. That never stopped me from coming back for more, though it's a dark sense of humour and art style always charm me back to try again just one more time. And even though I only scratched the surface what this game has to offer, I only managed to kill Isaac's mum once. I never touched the chest or shul, surely. I can't help but to love it, and I recommend it to anyone looking for something different or just for a good time. And it's quite interesting because yeah. he's got a quite contrasting statement yeah, there much, where he's, yeah. he, he reckons from some... Um, you know, um, loadouts, I guess, uh, you're doomed from the start, which I, I kind of, is, it kind of, you know, it gra- you gravitate towards a certain amount of items, like, you know, if you see an item in the in the room that you don't really like, you kind of feel like you're doomed from the start, but I, I always felt like the game sort of balanced itself out, mm. like, if you weren't going to pick up the, the, you know, the, the jar of piss that you throw on the floor, like the lemon, um, I can't remember what it's called lemon now. Lemon disaster, I believe. 
Yeah, there we go. Yeah, something like that. If you drop it on the floor, it attacks enemies. Like I didn't really get on with that item, so I felt if I left it in the shop, I kind of like, kind of like how Max Payne One was when it was, you know, when it first came out. They kept bleating on about this adaptive difficulty gameplay. Mm. I kind of feel like Isaac was the same. as like it's going to reward me later on with something that's going to balance the game out, and I kind of that's what kept me going through the game. But mm, yeah. Uh, Louis, do you want to take Registratus's sure. piece of forum feedback? Um, so, according to Steam, I've put 327 hours into Binding of Isaac, although it's probably more in the range of 100 or 200, as I play it windowed and leave it running in the background. It took me a little while to get into the game, and I don't think I really got into it until the Wrath of the Lamb DLC. But when I got into it, I really got into it. It's so easy to pick up, it has an excellent difficulty curve. The final levels get pretty hard, almost so hard that it's a relief when you die and get sent back to the start. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there is a, a definite, a, you know, sort of a, a suicidal nature to it. You're just like, oh, okay, yeah, just stamp on my head and we'll be, we'll be done with this run. It's yeah, really easy to yeah. just mash the space button and start again, isn't it? When <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> Just to hear the calming, the calming sort of soothing music of the first room. Yeah. It's, it's such a contrast <laughs> to the bit you've just been playing, which is frantic, you know, yeah, yeah frantic chaos. Yeah. Ah, okay, so we've got some free word reviews from Twitter. Uh, yeah, Registratus again. Marcus says insanely addictive fun. Uh, Mentasm, uh, Ian. He says so damn hard. All in caps. <laughs> uh, Chris Mohan says one more game. Joey Hamilton says hard but fair. Daniel Owens says addictively fresh death. Ellis Spice says try, die, repeat. Nick Marshall, relationship testing material. <laughs> In more than one sense, I think. In game and out of game, potentially. Uh, Briny Water, that's his Twitter handle, or her. Uh, blissful Freudian grotesquery. Nice. Snyder, kill your mom. So, let's have our hyperbole, free but heartfelt uh, summaries of the Binding of Isaac, James. Uh, yeah, this is a, a strange one for me because I, I struggled more than most people. I, I ended up having a, a brief Twitter sojourn with uh, with Phil Kohler, uh, who I think had had got to and killed mom in about six or seven hours. And I, I boosted his ego uh, by saying that it had taken me something in the region three times that length. Um, so it was never a game that I felt accomplished at, but it's a game that I was just fascinated by. Um, the feeling it gave me with the aesthetic, uh, you know, all of the various different ways it challenged um, my challenged me intellectually and emotionally, uh, I found really interesting. Um, and it also challenged me technically. Uh, it really, I felt it was a hard game for me to get to to grips with because it did things differently uh, in controls and in uh, in the structure of the game than than other games I'd played before. Um, but I absolutely adored it. You know, Steam says twenty seven hours. It's probably not far off that. I, I'm gladly going to go back to to Rebirth when it comes out and and see what tweaks and what changes and and how it's different on a, a new format and just sink into uh, it again. Which for a game that uh, you know, if you could watch a YouTube video and and see it as quite a 
quite a, a game that pushes you away. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say offensive, although it may be to some people, um, but it certainly it, it could be seen as something that pushes you away with its aesthetic and, and with it being quite hard. But to me, I, the, I, the notion of sinking into it probably sounds really off, but it just is a game that you can kind of, because of its one more try, uh, almost uh, allure, um, it, it really pulled me in and I can see it doing exactly the same again um, when when Rebirth comes out. I'm looking forward to, to seeing those changes. Um, I, I would suggest for, you know, at this point it's been in Steam sales so often for pennies, literally game and DLC pennies. Um, we're talking less than a pound to play, so I, I can't imagine that the if you've got this far in the podcast, you don't already own the game, um, and, and maybe you you have enjoyed this as much as I did. Uh, if you didn't, and that's absolutely fine. I I hope that at least you've you've heard our explanations of why this is is something quite special for a game that came together in three months and then six months later was just blown into something uh, massive and something to be explored and delved into uh, is is really interesting to me in so many ways that that this game became a little bit of a phenomenon and you know with speed runs and and all sorts of uh, sort of challenges going on with people you know who are far more skilled than I it's just it's it's something quite um, spectacular to see to see this little um, odd little game uh, be taken for for something as, as beautiful as it actually is um, I really enjoyed it Sorry, waffling mm. there. I'll stop. That's <laughs> we like a waffle. Uh, so, yeah, for me, The Binding of Isaac, it was quite a revelation in terms of both gameplay because I'd never played a game like this before. You know, the permadeath, uh, lose all your stuff when you die, uh, sort of, you know, that kind of game I'd never played before. I think, you know, games from the NES era were kind of like that, you know, and in a weird way, Golden on the N64 was like that because if you died, you sort of had to go back to the start. And I, I kind of had a, a grasp of what to expect of when I died. But little did I know that 30 to 40 minutes into a tense run was I gonna like was my heart gonna be pounding like like, like no other, you know, like coming up to a boss battle in Binding of Isaac. It reminded me of the first time I bumped into Gruntilda from Banjo Kazooie. My heart was racing, my hands were sweating. But in Banjo Kazooie, obviously, you've got the the reset button. You can go back to the checkpoint. Whereas here, you, all your time and effort, although you've you've learned as the player uh, better skills, it was all going to go, and that's what made this game so addictive for me. Um, and it also was a revelation, not only in terms of gameplay and the genre that it's set in, but also the the actual story to me was I'd never heard of the Binding of Isaac. I've sort of maybe I've read it in a in a classroom wall somewhere, but I never paid any attention because. I'm me. I'm an idiot. Um, and I just kind of like, I, th- I looked into it a little bit and I thought, this is bonkers. Like this is, I, I didn't actually know this was a thing. Like, and it kind of opened my eyes. And I think that's a really important thing that a game like this can open my eyes to things that I wasn't even like, aware of that, you know, other people read in a book called the Bible. I think it's really important that I've learned this kind of weird, like story tale from, from uh, you know a religious book through this game, I'm I'm actually, if more games can do that to me, then I'm yeah thumbs up for me because I'm not the best, I'm not well learned, but if a game that I like can teach me things about life, then I'm all for it. So yeah, The Binding of Isaac, it became my go-to podcast game. Uh, you know, you you had a podcast go, and then you played Binding of Isaac until that podcast ran out, and I think it's really good to have one of those games, one of those constants that's always there, and. 
you know, it kind of has to be the right game for it. The game that constantly pushes you into the unknown. You know, it kind of like, right, you've done that bit. How about you go further? And you're like, oh, go on then. Just, I've got another podcast. Let's go. And you go again and again and again. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's an incredible game. And like you say, James, it, you know, it's been in a, so many humble bundles for literally pennies that you've got no excuse to at least give it one go. Go on, just just one. Just give it a go. See if you like it. And last but not least, the Platinum God himself. <laughs> I, every time I say that, I picture you as Isaac is on the front on the front menu with his like biceps and his triceps and his quad, like all pumped up. He's all jacked up on steroids. It looks like I imagine that's what you look like, but covered in exactly, platinum. So, yeah. <laughs> so Louis, I modelled for Edmund to, to when he was growing up. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say so. It's it's Edmund McMillan's most personal work. I think like it's a it's a to- story told in a really interesting way. Um, that it's trying to do something that it's not really many games out there that. Uh, have at least or at least pulled it off quite so well. It's a really interesting blend of genres that you can see with like so many similar games coming out, taking some slightly roguish elements and coming up with a new twist on them. That I guess between Spelunky and Binding of Isaac, you can see the resurgence. That's where it's come from. Um, it's ridiculously good value. Yeah, it's like you can get it for hardly anything uh, all the time and. I've spent, I can't even remember how many hundreds and hundreds of hours on it. It basically, yeah, defined, like, at least a year of my life. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you asked my housemates at the time, they would always hear the Binding of Isaac music going on. Um, mm. I think it's it's got a in, really interesting set of systems overlaid on top of each other. It'll always surprise you. There's always more you learn from playing it. And everyone should give it a shot. Absolutely. And if you've already got it, buy it and give it to someone else to play. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely done that to a few of uh, a few of my, my brothers have got it now, and my friends have got it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those sort of viral games that you pass around. Mm. Well, thank you very much, James and Louis Proctor, for being on this podcast with me. It was it was kind of like a touch and go one. This one, it's like, is this going to happen? <laughs> I want it to happen. Let's find the right people. And luckily, we bumped into um, you had heard him last week on the Castlevania show, Andy Hamilton at the Eurogamer meetup, mm-hmm. and he part, you know, he he, he uh, met me with you, Louis, and here we are now. He he ran excitedly across the yeah. room to drag <laughs> Louis over to us. <laughs> yeah, I was right at the other end of the pub, and he grabbed me and said, "Come with me." <laughs> because so it kind of felt like it was meant to happen. Yeah, yeah. The stars aligned, and yeah, um, I'm I'm more than happy that you've come on, Louis. Thank you very right. much for your time. Thank you for inviting uh, me. On. Where can we find you on uh, on Twitter, on the internet? Uh, where can we find sure. you? Sure, uh, I'm, I'm Louis P on Twitter. That's L E W I E P. If you can put up with my nonsense. Um, I'm angrier on Twitter than I am in real life, so don't don't think I'm a horrible person if I tweet at you angrily. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, if you like to buy cheap video games, my website Savvy Gamer. Um, it's where I post all the best deals on all games from all the different platforms every week. Mm. Well, every day. All the and time. you're currently you're currently making me wince with your 10 second ninja time. I was second for a long time, and then you came along and ruined it. Well, you know, you I've been that. getting tweets of Chris Priestman during the podcast, and apparently I'm not in first anymore. I've been relegated oh. to second. So. Uh, well, 10 Second Ninja, there's a quick rinse on the YouTube channel, which we mentioned earlier, so check that out. It's it's impressive. That game is good. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, we'll be back next week with the, uh, the legendary Super Mario 64. You may have heard of it with issue 117. Thank you very much.